All right, everybody, welcome back to Season 2, Episode 2 of Insight Through Experience Podcast. This week, we have Nick. Nick is a combat rescue officer, and he is currently the Assistant Director of Operations at the organization that he's at right now. Again, what makes Nick special, and I'm really looking forward to this interview, is he is the first officer we have interviewed for the Insight Through Experience Podcast, as well as he has also been through two selection processes like Billy last week. So this guy has the insight through the process, and I've got to see him come up the first time. Uh, he fired a good shot on target, um, but in the end, he came back, and if you look at his data in the database, one of the strongest candidates we've had. So really looking forward to this this week. Nick, how are you doing, buddy? Doing well. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to this. Uh, just to get us grounded and starting off this week, could you just give us a, a summary of your background and how you ended up where you are today? Yep. So... Grew up uh, originally in central Illinois, um, was there for, for most of my life, and then uh, kind of once we got closer to uh, the high school years, uh, my family relocated to the, the suburbs of Chicago. Uh, I grew up playing hockey all my life, uh, so for me, I was super excited about that transition from, uh, from a smaller town where it wasn't as, uh, as popular of a sport to, to a bigger city where... Uh, pretty much anywhere you looked, uh, there was an ice rink. The high schools had teams very involved. Uh, so that was a, uh, a fun time uh, in my life. Uh, ended up going to a, uh, a Catholic high school there that had a hockey team and uh, a program, honestly, that, that, that taught me a lot uh, at that age. Uh, and as anyone who has played hockey or whether competitively uh, or just for fun, uh, they realize that there's, it is a physically demanding and mentally demanding sport. And I think kind of growing up playing hockey kind of instilled that uh, in me at a young age with the work ethic and what goes into it. Uh, once I was uh, done in high school, graduated there, uh, went to school down at Southern Illinois University in Carbondale. Yeah, that's where uh, I got involved in the ROTC program. Uh, I learned about combat rescue and once I kind of was exposed to that and learned more about it, my, uh, my heart was set on pursuing that avenue with submitting my application to, uh, you know, to try out at the selection. And uh, everything went well, and it's kind of led me to, uh, to where I am now. Yeah, when you went through that process, um, what were some of the differences that you noticed between you and the guys who um, got a thumbs up and the guys who got a thumbs down. So the big difference that, that I noticed from the guys that, that were selecting the ones who weren't were the, the guys who, who did really well out there were the ones who were able to take it one event at a time and they didn't get into their own heads. Uh, and for me, at that, that first selection, uh, it was so easy because, like I said, it was all new to me. I had no idea how each event was going to go. Uh, and I definitely didn't have an idea of what the next event was going to be, how physically demanding it was going to be, how mentally demanding it was going to be. So it really allowed me to just focus on what was what was right in front of me, uh, and then and not getting sucked into the rabbit hole of you know what can come. Uh, and that was the big difference that I saw. And it didn't matter the ages. Uh, we had guys that were. In college, same age as I was, very young. And then we also had guys who had experience in the military coming from different backgrounds who 
had the same outlook, the guys who were able to take it one event at a time and then not hype themselves up were the ones who performed best. Uh, so what led it? What led you to make the decision to say 724 should be my next stepping stone in my career? One of the, the big things that led me to submitting my application uh, to come up there were, uh, the first one was the, the mission set. Um, what we do now in the rescue community, I love it, and it's a, uh, a key piece in every operation, uh, not only deployment or overseas contingency, but, but also in the, uh, the civilian community with civilian rescue, humanitarian responses, uh, all the things that we're capable of doing in the rescue community, I, I love it. And that's what originally attracted me towards uh, going the combat rescue route was your ability to have a positive impact on everybody, on anybody at any time. And then recently, after having a few deployments and getting that exposure, uh, I wanted to pursue uh, going to the next level and being a part of something, something bigger and having that, uh, that national level impact. So you came up for the first time, I think it was what we called 1901, but that was October of 18. Is that correct? Correct. All right. So you had only been, I think, an officer maybe two years at that point, Correct. So I'd only, yep, I, I awarded the Crow AFSC for, for about two years at that point. Yeah, very early in one's career to come up, and I applaud you for doing it, and I hope others would at least come up and try. So what was that experience like for Nick as you put in your application and you showed up for day one at the 724 for their selection process? It was a, it was a learning experience. Um, from the, the train-up, getting ready for it, uh, because again, up until that point at, at my current organization, there hadn't been many people uh, that had submitted their application to, to go through the selection process. So it was, it was fairly new and uh, unknown as to, to what to expect uh, going up there. How is that? So me knowing you now, how did that sit in your mind? Sounds like your hockey background, sounds like you handle probably distress a little bit. What did you do? How are you focusing on just doing what you can do to prepare? What was that like? What were the lead up weeks like before you came up? It was it was difficult because you balance your current work position as well as training for one of the most physically demanding things that you think you're about to endure. So there's the, like I said, the balance of making sure that neither one of those areas suffer because you still want to do the absolute best you can at your current position, but you also know that you need to give it 110% to make sure you're physically and mentally prepared to, to go in that selection. So it was a lot of, a lot of long days, um, a lot of time spent by yourself walking on trails with, with the ruck and uh, making sure that, you know, like I said, not only physically, but, but mentally you're, you're where you need to be. Uh, to perform when when you arrive at selection for day one. So many good rocks of knowledge right there that I want to highlight. First, I think, um, being the first officer that we've interviewed for this, that the dedication that you have to have on both ends is extreme, kind of like you just said. Uh, you can't let team functions fall off at your current unit, but you know if you don't prepare hard enough to come up for the process at our place, you don't have a shot. So 
really good to hear that balance. And I think that's important for folks to realize that you've just got to figure it out. And I'd also plug in, that's why we try to put as much information on the website as we can, because we don't want it to be a secret. We want to give you the outline of how to prepare so it makes your easier, or I'm sorry, it makes your life easier at your home station so you can focus on family and work, because we know that doesn't stop ever. Yeah, so let's talk about selection itself. What was that experience like? Kind of like I, I talked about with the, the training portion, uh, it, was, it was all new, uh, never into the the organization before uh not really having any ideas to to what to expect with with how selection unfolds other than the the information's on the website uh, it's not a secret but like you have to keep yourself from going down the the rabbit holes of the unknown because there's only so many variables you can control uh, and and your performance is is the most important one yeah, I like that. So what, looking at your performance, A, just so the audience knows, Nick made it through. Um, we just decided at the board, the commander uh, thought he needed a little more time um, back at his unit and then invited him to come back. So I need to throw that out there. It wasn't like Nick didn't make it through. He absolutely made it through. Um, and I'll be honest with you, for me watching the process and running the process, look, I know I, I read what you wrote in your comments about it was how hard it was and how mentally challenging it was, but you performed fairly strongly all the way through. So what led to that, what I would consider a strong performance? And I would tie back to how did you prepare for it? And then how did that play out real time when you got to selection? So I think the, one of the, the biggest issues that I had at, the, at my first selection is I was focused too much on the, on variables that were outside of my control. So, like what? Like how others were performing, and then trying to you know compare my performance to to theirs, or going into an event knowing I need to you know perform at this level, or you know take it to the next level, whatever it might be. Um, and I kind of hit on it earlier with the you know referencing hockey and kind of how it played into my my development, yes, there are times you have to perform as an individual, but if you can't perform as a team, uh, then ultimately you're going to suffer. And, and I think that's what happened. Uh, I know that's what happened for me personally um, on, the, on that first selection is I went into it with the mindset of comparing too much rather than focusing on what I could control, like I mentioned. And, you know, my performance was the one thing that, that I had control over that uh, that suffered because it was focusing on variables that were, were outside of the control. Yeah. So looking at your first performance, we're looking at the officer context now. You're the first officer we've interviewed. So, A, what is the officer context like during selection? What were those expectations that you thought um, you were supposed to meet? and then measure yourself for the audience of how you think you met those. Okay, so one of the things that's, that's a little kind of hard to, to navigate when, when you go to selection that is, you know, you only have a handful of days to show who you are and display your, your capabilities to, to the selection board. Uh, and the first one, um, like I said, getting caught up on, on things that were outside of your control is so we, we had a handful of officers um, that, that attended and I think getting caught up in the 
military structure of chain of command and you know who's in charge, who's not in charge, how have they performed when they had the ability to. Um, things like that were the distractions that uh, I kind of let get in the way of of me focusing on on doing what what was required and performing at the level that I I knew I was capable of. Uh, I just wasn't able to tap into it because there were you know, distractions pulling me away from from focusing on that. What's that piece of advice you would give the officers when they come up? Uh, how to focus on the right things and not get distracted by the wrong thing? The big thing that I would recommend and you know lesson learned from from me that I would I would tell every officer is don't change who you are or, or your style of leadership just because you're, you're at the selection. Uh, your strengths are what have gotten you to this point in your career uh, and continue to, to display those. Uh, we all know that there's, there's weaknesses that we have in our, in our leadership or areas that we know we need to improve on, um, but you, you can't change who you are just because you're at the selection yet. You have to let the, the process work uh, because it does and, you know, Show them who you are, and and that uh, that's the biggest piece of advice that I have for for an officer coming in. Yeah, such a good piece of advice. So, using that, let me put you in the context that um, you're at selection. You see an officer possibly not being authentic, uh, trying to he maybe change himself. Doesn't even know that he changed himself a little bit or his leadership style. What effect is that having on the men underneath them as they're trying to go through selection as well? It affects the the guys that you're supposed to be leading. And if they see that you aren't being true to, to who you are, your beliefs, et cetera, uh, it's hard for them to trust their, their leader uh, and someone in that position. Yeah, very well said. And it's, it's also true for the organization that's looking to hire you of um, if, we, if we don't get a good read on you or we see this bipolar person coming through selection, uh, we're probably not going to give them a shot to OTC anyway until – they can come back and show us a more balanced picture. And I think it's, it ties into exactly what you're saying. They come up playing a role. Sometimes they don't even know they're doing it. And as soon as um, the pain level gets turned up and we tear down some, some defenses, uh, the real person comes out and we're like, whoa, who is this? We haven't seen this person the previous five days. So such a good way to put it. All right. So during that first selection process, what were some of the things that you learned about yourself as you left the process? You saw them as maybe a blind spot and you know you needed to shore those up. Yeah. One of the, the big takeaways that I had from my first selection was to, uh, being able to, to receive that feedback, process it, and then apply it to, to what you're doing next. Uh, that was the big takeaway and the huge learning uh, curve that I had uh, so when I left selection for the first time that I, that I worked on. How do people work on that? Uh, when Nick left, what were some of the tools or techniques you used to be able to, I'll say it in my own words, be able to receive feedback, turn that into actionable progress moving forward, and then being able to stay present enough when you have that similar task again to use that feedback and not get bogged down in the past or the future? Well, well lucky enough for me, I, I'm married, so I had the, the <laughs> firsthand experience to, to work on it at, at home outside of the, the work environment too. But it, it really it came down to, to listening completely to what the people are saying, whether it be you know a PJ or controller the, from the lowest level on your team, uh, providing you feedback all the way up to, to your commander or uh, you know, whatever level you, you want to think about it. Um, 
actively listening and then applying it to, to your mistakes. And then, you know, for me personally, I, you know, I keep a little after action folder on my computer that, you know, I go through the, with all the different positions I've had, different events I've been a part of, uh, where I kind of I highlight the, the strengths and more importantly, the weaknesses um, that I can, you know, keep everything compiled. And, and I catch myself kind of going back and uh, referencing that uh, to make sure that, you know, just because you, you apply it once uh, doesn't mean you fixed it. It's a, it's a constant work and, you know, always pushing yourself to get better uh, is, is key and it's critical and kind of being able to, to reference that stuff and always apply it and always work on it to get better uh, is huge. Yeah, those are some good tips. And I would offer that that um, AAR document is going to get really full um, in a few months oh, yeah. uh, because it's going to be another fire hose in OTC, but I think one that you're going to enjoy and just thrive in. Um, you're standing in front of the boss that first selection. He looks across and just says, uh, Nick, we're not picking you up. Um, what's that mental state when you're walking out of that room and how did you process that over the next few days and months? Yeah, I mean, nobody who, who goes through that uh, that entire selection and, and is told no is is happy. Uh, and and I was I was I was upset. I was I was mad, uh, but it, I wasn't mad at the the selection board or what their decision was. Uh, kind of like uh, I mentioned in some of the other questions, is I, I was I was mad at myself because I I knew I didn't put my best foot forward with my performance uh, until too late in, in the first selection. Uh, I was too focused on you know, the outside variables that, that you didn't have control on, like I said, in some of the other questions with how other people were performing, trying to compare my performance to them. And then most importantly... Nick, why is, that, be, why is that such a distractor or why is that such a bad thing? I think I want to pull that thread just for a minute. We'll say yep. we're going to double click on this. Like what... Okay. What is the reason why that's just going to be a distraction and, and pull guys the wrong direction? Because there's, there's so many events that, that you do when, you, when you're at selection, and you're not going to do the best. You're not going to crush everyone. Like you, you will fail. And it's important that you're able to bounce back from your failures without getting hung up on like I said, how the others were, were performing because it's, it's ultimately, you know, how you're able to, to move forward uh, and, and bounce back that, that I think, you know, says a lot about, uh, you know, your, your mental toughness and your ability to, to improve when, when you can take that feedback and, and apply it without getting hung up on what others are doing. Yeah, I'll say that from, from my vantage point and in my language, it is when you get there, we're starting, we're getting a baseline on you once you come to selection. And then we're watching how that how you improve that baseline all the way through, how you can take a piece of information after an event and use that to elevate yourself um, up the progression ladder. We never compare like Nick with another officer when it comes to an event, because that doesn't make sense. They're two totally different personalities and people. So I think if people can keep that in mind, it's the person that you're staring at in the mirror that we are comparing you against as well. It's that competition between yourself the whole time that is going to be the deciding factor, whether you get hired or not. Um, continuing on with your mental state, though, when you left, um, what were those like going back home, um, integrating back with a team, 
man, I think that's got to be hard. Uh, how did you handle that? It's definitely it, anybody in our position has already gone through, you know, a very high level of training to to get to to where we are, and, and nobody ever wants to come back, especially to your own team. Yeah, being being told no uh, or, or not succeeding at, at that next level, and I, I think that's what holds a lot of people uh, back from from going to the selection, which I don't think is the right answer. Um, so, so going back to the team, it was it was difficult. However, I made sure it didn't affect my performance, and I think that in in turn also allowed my team to to focus on what we needed to do. There, there wasn't a distraction. Um, but mentally it, it was difficult because you don't know, you don't know what can happen over, you know, the, the next six months or next year, depending on, you know, if you go back to selection. And for me, it was the second I left, I, I knew I wanted to go back. Uh, so, so it was, there's a lot of variables that, that you don't know that, that you can't control because of PCSs, deployments, injuries, uh, things like that, and I didn't want to lose the opportunity uh, to come back and and show the selection board what I was capable of um, for for a second uh, second run at the that selection process. Yeah, I think those are some really good points to um, foot stomp as well for the folks out there who who are thinking about coming up to the process. Uh, the Air Force is going to start dropping orders at some point on you, and once they do, we can't touch you as an organization. So. You just got to manage your career, and then that's the first go. And then if you come up to selection and get a non-select your first time, then kind of like Nick's saying, uh, it's a wild card race if you stay out at your unit too much longer without coming back up and giving it another shot. Um, so I'm just trying to mentor some folks out there who might be on that bubble right now and just say, just do it. Just put in the application. Uh, if we pick you up in phase one, then come up, and and the worst that can happen is you're going to grow and be a better operator when you leave the experience, whether you get a select or non-select. And and that's a that's a huge takeaway as well. The in-depth level of feedback that you receive through that selection uh, will make you better, guaranteed. And I think having that uh, prepared me to come back for that second selection. Uh, and perform at the the level I did. So, you know, people wondering, and you kind of mentioned earlier, you know, saying that they would like to wait to, to get more experience. Uh, going up there and, and getting that that experience and being exposed to that environment uh, made me a, a better operator. And ultimately, like I said, it, it definitely prepared me to come back for that second selection and, uh, you know, perform the level that I did. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, so let's talk about that second selection and your rebound. How did you prepare physically? And I'll only ask this mainly because, A, I don't think, like I didn't see the physical struggle in you during either selection, so I think you had this nailed. Uh, but for those guys who don't know or who haven't been up, um, what is that suggested way that they should prepare their bodies to get ready for what's coming? The big thing is, you know, work with, your strength and conditioning coach and if you don't have one you know utilize the the resources that the 724 offers uh, on the website with the training programs uh, the suggestions and you know the kind of the left and rights and recommendations because uh, because ultimately that's 
what that, that's a huge piece in your ability to succeed at, at that selection. Uh, and, and for me personally, um, kind of following those plans and, and tapping into those resources, uh, they're, they're the professionals. They, they know, you know, how, how it works and, and the, the proper steps to, to get you to where you need to go. Uh, I, I leverage, leverage them as much as possible to, to work on developing a plan and getting ready for selection. And, and that helped out. Your two selections were, um, I won't say significantly different, but they were pretty different. What event from each brought you to the point body-wise or like, ooh, starting to hurt now. Um, I got to really pay attention to what's going on because I'm, I'm starting to feel the pain build. Like when did that happen during your selections, both of them, and what did you do to get through that? It, at Xville, every time, uh, and I don't <laughs> – I don't. Uh, I don't care how much they change selection. I guarantee that that phase is, is always going to be uh, one of the most physically and mentally demanding things that, that you'll ever go through. Uh, and and the big thing with, with getting through that is is knowing your body. Um, people respond differently to uh, different types of physical activity. And that being said, it's. You know, what works for one person might not necessarily work, work for you. Um, and this goes back into the, the train up leading up to it. You have to know when to fuel your body and how to fuel it. Uh, and if, if you're not taking care of your body with you know, proper nutrition, proper fluid intake, you, your body's going to fail. There's, there's no way of, of getting around it, especially with, with what, you're, what you're doing at that phase. Um, so really the, the most important thing that, that led to you know, ultimately being able to complete that is fueling the body, getting the calories, getting the fluid, uh, making sure that you know, it, it's there when, when you need it to be. Yeah, I, would, I keep foot stomping the fact that the first or the easiest way to get a non-select at our selection process is to not know how to take care of yourself. And that doesn't mean you should recede into yourself and only look out for yourself clearly not but if you're not taking care of yourself you can't take care of the other folks around you and it's just a no-brainer for us but it will be really good feedback for you at the end of selection because we'll sit down and give you all that feedback and try to try to make you a better operator as you leave the process but um, for all the operators out there right now in special warfare the key to the foundation of it all is knowing how to take care of yourself and recognize those symptoms kind of like nick saying and i think that event and I think it's, it's, I would argue it's getting tougher. I think this last selection that we just ran in March was probably the toughest exfil we've ever ran for certain reasons. They're all going to be tough and we're all going to push you to a limit to where you have to show us that you can take care of exactly what Nick's saying. You got to know your body and you got to know when to fuel it. You got to know, uh, and you also have to be able to look around and see others and, and help them in some hard times too. So all good stuff. Mentally, during that second selection, what was that like coming back? Like day one, now you're sitting in this weird introduction because we now do kind of this this kickoff to selection. What were those thoughts going through the head as you um, strapped it on for one more ride? It, it was uh, honestly, it was it was a redemption for me. Um, from the the second I left my home station to to start my travel to uh, to begin the selection process again. Uh, the the focus I had and my mindset leading up to that was it was dialed in. Uh, I knew 
knew what I was getting into, and I knew that I was going to be be looked at, uh, at a, on a different level than I was the first selection. Because, like you said, you know, I I'd, I'd done it once before. I knew what to expect. Uh, I knew I knew the areas I needed to to work on, and it was up to me to to go into that selection and you know show the selection board that. Uh, I made it a priority to go back to my unit and, and improve uh, to come back to the selection and ultimately uh, perform at the level that that uh, I thought I was capable of. How do you go through it a second time and not just, because you're doing some of the same events, how do you not compare it? How do you not get in your head about, man, I don't think I did any better on this time. I might have done worse this time than I did the first time. What's that going to tell them? Like, how do you keep that in check to where you can keep pushing forward? What's important is you have to, you have to focus on the task at hand because they could be looking at something completely different and again it goes back to if you try to game the system and it's not going to be your your true self uh, so focusing on what you were doing it, it, it was huge and and it's it is difficult and i'd be lying if i said you know you you don't think or it was it was easy to block it out like it, it was a a constant effort to tell yourself like hey this is not the same selection it's a it's a different game you know if you did the the same thing uh same game plan in sports against the the same team over and over again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're going to have the same outcome. Yeah, that's a good uh, so way to you, put you it. had you had to go back and you know change your approach. Uh, that's not saying you change who you are, but you know you, you realize that there's things that you, you needed to do differently, and that's what the entire year leading up to that next selection was. It was your opportunity to to focus on a different game plan uh, and improve to ultimately come back and you know, perform at, uh, at that selection. Let me ask you it in this way. Um, and hopefully this analogy will work. So think back to your first free fall jump, how narrow your attention was. Like I can remember mine and what I remember is my altimeter. That's yeah. pretty much what I remember about that jump. Right. Um, I couldn't tell you if there was anybody around me other than my instructor every now and then. And then if you compare that to, say, your 100th jump or your graduation jump, which was about 40 at the time for me, how much bigger and broader that awareness was. So I'm guessing, and confirm if this is right or wrong, the first time when you're coming through selection, kind of like that soda straw, you really don't know what you don't know. You're just kind of going through it. Your awareness is kind of shut in a little bit. And then your second time through, I got to imagine your, your awareness of what's going on around you was probably expanded significantly. Is that accurate? Oh, that's 100% accurate. You see things from a completely different point of view. I just, for me personally, going through the the second selection, I was I was very laid back, and that's not to be mistaken for you know being lackadaisical or, or careless. Um, but I, I was relaxed, and I was able to you know notice things and be aware of things that I wasn't necessarily able to do so on, on the first selection because you're, like you said, you're looking through the, the straws and you're seeing this very small piece of this huge picture. Um, and that helped in the, the second time through. All right. So now take that and imagine you're on a stage and you're talking to every special warfare officer out there who is thinking about coming up to this process, how can you open up that soda straw for them? What can they do? And what did you learn that you could tell them or some tips you could give them to open up that straw a little bit when they come up their first time so they don't have to repeat possibly? So the big thing is, you know, what you've done at this point, 
in your career is not to be taken lightly. Like you've been successful at, at pretty much every level, and what you've done to get there is you know shouldn't change. And kind of like I hit on earlier, is, you know you have to to go to that selection process, and you have to you have to be true to to who you are and and leverage your strengths. Um, and, and play to your strengths. It's not saying you, you ignore your weaknesses, uh, but you know the areas that you're going to excel at, and then you, you use the team to, to kind of bring everyone together. And, you know, an area that you have a weakness in most likely will be somebody else's strength. Uh, and, and that's how ultimately I think you succeed, uh, or the difference for me at least from, you know, the first selection to the second one is tapping into all the resources that are on that team because everyone there is extremely capable uh, and very confident in it. You have to you have to utilize uh, what's right in front of you. You can't get sucked into the over competitive mindset. Of, it's just you there. Uh, you have to use the team. Such great advice. I have seen that exact thing play out with many officers who've come up uh, to where the re- the answers have been surrounding them the whole time. Yet they. <laughs> Almost refuse, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just, again, they're looking through the soda straw, right? Almost refuse to ask anybody else for help because they think we expect them to have all the answers. And I think what you said is the key. We expect you to be able to utilize the resources you have to come up with the best answer. And that should be, I would argue, any leader's job out there. So a great point to uh, to throw out there. I'm glad you did. Um. Is it, is it worse knowing or not knowing when you come back through? Like waking up, you know whatever night it is, what's coming the next morning. You know after this event, the jerry cans are coming out of the truck. Um, explain that to me because it's interesting and it, it makes me happy sometimes. <laughs> it's uh, That's a, a hard question based on I think that that answer changes uh, kind of throughout selection you have to take it one event at a time and you can't try to game it because you don't you don't know if it's going to be the same so if you you know you're trying to if you're holding some some energy or you know you're keeping some fuel in the tank uh, because you think something's coming next uh, and it doesn't come then you could have completely you know blown your opportunity to to show the the team or the the selection board um, that that you're there to to perform, um, and if you know you don't give it your all with every event because you're thinking about you know your last selection and, and what you did next, uh, it, it could uh, it could hurt you um, at the end of the selection. Yeah, I love the point, and the reason why I love it so much is the fact that you didn't just say selection board; you said the team because. <laughs> So important for people to realize out there that um, the cadre who are grading you are only one piece of the grade that comes into the system for each guy. The peer vote to us and the feedback that the peers give each other uh, is huge. So if you are holding back, the peers are going to see you holding back. Uh, it happens on Xville a lot. Guys go into preservation mode, self-preservation mode, um, when the team needs them the most, and then that comes out big time in their peer feedback. So. And I think a lot of people are like, ooh, you shouldn't be sharing this because, you know, it's going to give people secrets. I'm fully confident, and I think you would agree, but I'll give you uh, time to, to tell me. Um, but 
you're not going to game this system. We are going to get down to who you really are. And that's why I'm just, I'm, these podcasts to me are so valuable. Guys like you coming on here to just give them some tips. Just be authentic when you come up here. Let the peers see the real you and then let it shake out how it does in the end. But in the end, you're going to leave better. Yeah, I agree completely. You know, if you go into this process and you're not true to who you are, uh, like it's going to catch up to you and it's, it's going to hurt you. Whether it's, you know, at the beginning of the selection, at the end of the selection, uh, further on in, in your career, uh, I think it's, you know, you, you don't need to, to try to put on an image of, of someone you're not uh, because it's, it's going to come out at some point and, and it's, you know, it's, it's tough to, to keep something like that. It's not sustainable. You can't keep that going. Yeah, I think that's the point. It's not sustainable. And you touch on the energy piece, and that's what it's all about. And as a designer of the process, I understand that very well of I'm going to zap you of the energy, your critical thinking parts of your brain need to keep on the um, show, if you will, to be that actor. And as soon as we take that down, uh, then we get to see the real you on stage. So, um, again, be comfortable with who you are when you come up. Be authentic when you get here. Show us the real you. Let us make a good decision. But regardless, we're going to give you some beautiful feedback that's going to make you better regardless. All right. So this is, I love this question. This might be my favorite question and we're coming towards the end here, but this one I look forward to. So, and we're just going to focus on officers here. You came through, I'm looking through both of your selection list of personnel and you've, you've come through with a bunch of officers. Probably you've had more officers in your two selections than I can say anybody else has, especially officers who have come back. So from all those officers, and I don't ask you this to call out anybody by name, you know that, but um, what are some of the things that you saw maybe in, in an officer's performance? You're like, uh, yeah, that's probably not going to be good, and he's probably not getting picked up. And what I'm trying to get to here is what are those things that guys could do when they come up here to avoid being that guy that you saw going through one of these two selections? So, you know, as you mentioned, there's I've had a – a wide variety of, of even personalities between the the office from the officers between the two classes and the one thing that that's common between both classes from the guys that were picked up was your their ability to continue to lead and have a a presence a strong presence uh, when other people kind of go into the the pain cave so to speak and and that's something that you know, I love about this community is the personalities that that step up and thrive uh, in environments that are extremely uncomfortable, and most people could can never imagine um, the the individuals that that step up and perform at, at a higher level uh, were the ones that were successful uh, in both of the selections. You know, I've seen that play out in the latest coronavirus stress-filled world of is turning a lot of people into the worst version of themselves. And I told somebody on social media the other day, the beautiful thing about our job and that I still get to plug into this community is that it turns people in our line of work into the best version of themselves. And I think that's what we're looking for in selection too. When we turn it up to 10 on the people coming through who turns into the best version of themselves and then who doesn't. And I think a lot of times that is a huge factor. So uh, give me an example, one example from either selection. Um, I don't know if it'd be at X field or wherever, but where, where one of those guys just 
were showcasing exactly what a leader should be doing during those times of stress. The go-to one is is the exfil, especially on the the, the first selection for me. Um, you know, one of the, one of the other officers that, that I went through with stepped up and and was genuine, and, and that's the big thing. It's the being being vocal isn't the same as you know thriving in in stressful environments it's the the ability to to still have that kind of calm uh, collective thought process uh, and, and not panic and, and that was you know it, it was it was pretty cool to see that um, in uh, in the first expo that, that I was a part of uh, was the ability to you know not not be the loudest one in the group because that's not always what's needed at the time but it's, it's the ability to you know motivate the people that you're with and like I said there's such a wide variety of you know how people handle those situations and being able to uh, to pull it together as, as a team to, to continue to move forward I, I think that's the that's the big one yeah that's awesome awesome context and awesome answer there I like that I agree with all of that I think Xville is just this I tell everybody every time it's over, I don't care if you get picked up or not. That was that was some amazing things that I just witnessed. Just a bunch of warriors doing warrior stuff for a long time. Um, it's a very strenuous, stressful event, and I just think it it embodies um, what guys in our career fields can do for this nation. It's amazing. All right, so what are you looking most forward to when you get up here and start OTC? What's that next thing on Nick's? I can't wait to do list. The the group of people that uh, that I I went through selection with, and, and I know that who uh, the ones who were just recently selected. I can't wait to uh, train with with that caliber of of operator on a day to day basis. And it's not not just the uh, the performance, but kind of like we we've hit on. Uh, multiple times is the that just endless pursuit of perfection and constructive feedback and processing the feedback and, and not holding anything back because at the end of the day, you know, everyone in that room wants to be wants to be the best one there, um, and, and I'm excited for for that uh, that competition and that camaraderie and, and the the drive that that everyone has to. Um, to push to get better uh, and to make those around them better. I can't just highlight that enough. And that was my OTC experience. I think anybody that has been through OTC would say the same thing, exactly how you just framed it of you show up every day. You're fighting to be in the middle of the pack most days. Some days you're not even making it there because everybody is so good at what they do, but they're also making you better every single day because if, if you don't come in driven, like you said, you will fade to the back and probably not make it through the process. So it's almost, I, I use the word magic a lot, but it's almost magical of how it develops you into this next level of human um, and operator once you leave that process. So I look forward to you coming through it. I think you're going to do great. And I think the team that we've assembled for this coming up year is really strong. So um, as a leader, you know, because we're going to be looking at you as that officer coming in and, and expecting you to lead when you come in. What are those things that you're trying to shore up right now before you get here to where you are ready on day one to be that that leader that they need? One of the things that, uh, uh, you know, it isn't talked about 
enough uh, on on some levels uh, when you know we talk about this it's the selection and kind of what what I did to prepare uh, but the focus right now honestly for me is making sure that that the family's ready uh, for for that transition because you know you can't it's tough to focus on on work when there are other distractions going on so so right now it's really just it's been getting the the family ready um, continuing to again focus on uh, the areas I know I need to improve but you know big thing is making sure that everything is is where it needs to be so once we get out there they're taken care of they're settled in um, because it's there's going to be some long days and there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of training and, and I think being able to to focus on that uh, knowing they're they're good and in, in in a good spot is uh, is going to help out a lot and allow me to continue to focus on on the mission and, and the job. Yeah, I love that answer, and it goes back to what we were talking about um, with energy management. If if your energy can't be fully placed on where you are in the present moment and it's distracted and being pulled other places, you will not be the guy that they need to see during OTC. So. And I'm not just pointing the finger. I'm pointing that's for anybody who comes up or anybody that comes to selection. That's anything you do in life. If you are, if your energy is being pulled in too many directions, you won't be good at anything or effective at anything. So well said, man. Looking forward to you coming up. All right. So kind of the last question. Uh, I want you to imagine you're up on stage. You're looking out at an audience full of special warfare officers who are all coming to a future selection. Somebody stands up says, what's one tip you would tell all of us that we should do before we come up there to help us find success? What is that one thing? Take a deep look at, at who you are as, as a person, as an operator, um, as a, you know, a father, friend, wh- whatever it is, uh, and, and make sure that, that that's, where, that's where you want to be. Uh, one of, the, one of the, the difficult things that, that I've seen at Selection uh, from the two times that, that I went was people that that were were there just to, to be there. Uh, and I'm not taking any credit away from them. Yeah. Anyone who goes to that selection uh, has my respect. Uh, it, it's very difficult mentally and physically. Um, but I think if you're going there just to, to say you went uh, or to check a box, um, you know, maybe you're not there for the right reason. Uh, so, you know, having, having your why behind, uh, behind your, your motivation and, and your drive to, to go there, um, make sure you know what that is because that's ultimately going to lead to your success uh, if you, you know your why uh, and your reason behind it. Yeah, that's a great answer. Man, that's an that's outstanding answer, really. And usually when guys um, self-eliminate, uh, because we do use that language, even in the introduction now, we talk about why, um, the why behind why they're here and how that's got to be fortified and, and be that rock they're leaning on in the hard times. And when guys at SIE, usually the first thing they come up to me and say, Mr. Free, I lost my why out there somewhere. And I'm like, I get it. I get it, man, because um, it's tough, and we're going to test it. We're going to make you uh, lean on that why statement a lot during the process and it's there for a reason. So great answer, Nick. All right, man, this has been fun for me. I hope it's been fun for you. Um, any last words before we get out of here today? Uh, I, I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, and the one thing that uh, I'll say to anyone listening to this that uh, you know, is thinking about 
um, whether it be coming to selection or, or, or coming to or joining the special warfare community as a whole, uh, don't let the opportunity pass. Uh, take advantage of it. It's something that uh, you have interest in. Like, I, I recommend pursuing it because it is one of the most rewarding uh, and fulfilling things that, that I've ever done, and, and I know it's going to continue to uh, to be that way. So just don't let the opportunity pass. Yeah, I couldn't foot stomp that enough. Perfect. All right, man, I know y'all are dealing with a whole lot of coronavirus stress back there right now, so I hope that goes well for you guys. And then tell Ryan I said hello when you talk to him. Will do. Thank you again for having me. Appreciate it, Nick. It was awesome, man. All right, everybody, that was it for the season number two, episode two of Insight Through Experience podcast. Hope everybody has a good week. Stay Rona free, and we will talk to you soon. All right.